It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. Christmas has come past, but I'm one of those dudes who likes to still celebrate Christmas through to the new year. Hopefully your Christmas was good, CJ. It was good. We're, we're recording this December 28th and I'm still in the mood to listen to Christmas music. So that gives you a, really? that gives you like a mind, an idea of where I'm at. But yeah, I, I, I love this holiday. I hate letting it go. I hate it. I always, it's like a big buildup. I'm sure for everyone, I actually had a quieter Christmas this year, less traveling around than a normal year. You know, sometimes that's the reason it passes so quick is because you you never go anywhere. You're, you got to rush to see this family member, that family member. Um, but yeah, I hate, I hate seeing it go. The new year is always nice, so a chance for renewal. I think we're going to have a, a powerful, exciting 2022. And um, yeah, just grateful for for you, my man. I'm grateful for you too. Like I'm like I mentioned off top. Like I'm one of those people who like I don't try to like celebrate Christmas like well before. Like you're not going to see me dance around at Christmas music in November. But there's something about that two week period where Christmas happens, then Boxing Day, and then you're going to New Year's, and you have those couple of days you're chilling, watching college football on New Year's Day. Like, that's Christmas. That's the two weeks when you can just play all the Christmas music you want. I'm playing, like, the the Charlie Brown Christmas vinyl, you know what I'm saying? Like, all the yeah. music off that. Like, that's that's the mood. That's the vibe I'm going for for the next few days. I'm wearing Santa pants. Like, I'm. that's the vibe I'm on until, like, January 2nd. I love that. And look, we're in this window. Like, we're thankful for everyone who's bothering to listen to us during this. But like, you don't have to do anything right now. Like, yeah. I realize some of you out there probably got to work. And I'm sorry for that. Your bosses should give you some slack. But I mean, Seriously. this is literally that six or five or six days like where you have total carte blanche to sleep in, spend the day on the couch, watch World Juniors if you want or movies, eat whatever is in front of your face. Don't worry about being your best self. Just just relax and uh, enjoy enjoy your family time. Enjoy your downtime because we all know we're back to the grind come January. Absolutely. And uh, we appreciate uh, everyone who's uh, enjoying their holiday time, whether, uh, you know, working or not, listening to us. And as we get to some of the topics we got today, obviously, uh, no NHL games to speak of. Uh, as, we're sp- as we're recording today, today's going to be the first day since that holiday break slash pause that there are supposed to be NHL games. Of course, the, fl- the situation is kind of fluid, so we're going to try to not 
delve too much into those games coming in, but there is something with the NHL and taxi squads I want to get to. The World Juniors are on as well. Canada's played a game as of uh, the time we're recording right now, but there's another tournament uh, that has sparked a lot of discussion online that I've seen. I've tried to stay off Twitter, but I try to just, you know, peer through the uh, the blinds a little bit. But the, uh, the U18 women's tournament getting canceled for a second consecutive year. Uh, they're among the many tournaments the IIHF said that they were going to be calling off in January of next year. Um, I just want to start off with that just because I've seen a lot of people talk about it and not just uh, women's hockey players, but other athletes as well across the sporting landscape have discussed it. I was just curious for your impressions on on what was going on and 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 your thoughts on the fact that it's a second straight year uh, the U eighteen women are not going to be able to participate in an international tournament. <laughs> well, I think it's actually still an open matter. You know what's what's interesting about this one is it's it's extended beyond just you know reaction on Twitter, debate, outrage, what have you. And you know the federations have actually picked up on this. I saw Pat Keller from USA Hockey as had mentioned that their organization. You know, it reached out to Double IHF. You know, I know an Ontario Minor Hockey Association has has reached out in an attempt to maybe bring this event, which would have been held in Sweden, uh, to Ontario. And and really, for those that aren't familiar with some of the ins and outs of this, I mean, part of it is just cost, uh, which is not to explain it away or say, yeah, it's fine. But I mean, it, it's about having, a, a, you know, a, an organizing host that's willing to potentially lose some money because let's face it might not have fans in the buildings and all that kind of stuff um, to, to run the tournament. But I, I think a lot, number of people have come to the, to the cause of, of this, this event and rightfully so. I mean, look, it's the top uh, women's world tournament for, for, you know, women under 18. Uh, it's, it's a big event. It's, it's a big stepping stone for those that are trying to earn college scholarships or to, to advance their career uh, in hockey um, you know, one thing we've seen during the pandemic, I mean, obviously we, we've focused so much on the struggle to get NHL games in and that, but, you know, a lot of lower down, whether it's junior last year or, or you know, the, these women's events, they haven't had the ability to, to showcase themselves. Like, there's just been less chance to do so. And I, I think, you know, where this one really struck a nerve, Julian, is this was announced just as the World Junior Tournament's getting going in Edmonton. Um, they're canceling events after that fact, but they're able to run that event. Now we all understand that's a huge money-making event for the IIHF, for Hockey Canada, for TSN, who employs me. Um, you know, it's it's determined to get massive TV ratings, a lot of fan interest, all those types of things. And so, you know, I think it highlighted just where priorities are at uh, in some ways at the top, top levels of international hockey. And so, let's hope it's revived. You know, as as we're doing this, I don't know for sure that that'll be the case, but it seems like there's at least a genuine will from from influential people with the uh, federations and countries to try to get this tournament staged and to, you know, look, we got to, we got to look after everyone in this, I think. And so let's hope uh, that that can happen, even if it isn't on the same time frame it would have originally, but, but at some point here in 2022. I mean, I would hope with all the people stepping up and saying something and, and the different associations stepping up that that should be enough, right? Like, we understand where, where the women's game is at now and they need the visibility so much to the point where, you know, they need to elevate their game. They need stuff like this to help elevate them. So I imagine the fact that you're saying it's still an open matter and the fact that all these other associations are trying to get themselves involved. It should be a step in the right direction, right? Yeah, it's it, it's more than I thought it would be, frankly. I mean, I, I expected. Look, I remember a lot of the same voices that were chiming in on this when it was announced on Twitter were doing the same a year ago. It felt, it felt a little familiar, frankly, because this, the same thing happened last year. 
on, on a similar time frame, uh, just as the World Juniors was getting up and running in, in the bubble in Edmonton. So, um, you know, the fact that it's gone beyond that is already encouraging. And, and you know, you, you need somewhere to play, right? I mean, you can only practice so much, not to pull on the old Allen Iverson yarn, but like you, you do have to have competition. You, you, I mean, you're gearing up as an athlete for an event to, to perform your best. And as I say, I think that, that it's not just for future uh, national team players. I mean, which of course we would expect some of the under 18 players go on to the senior national teams in time, but you know, that's, it's, scholarships and other things that are on the line and, and important time in, in these girls' lives, you know, as they get towards the end of their high school age. So, um, you know, I do, I do feel some optimism that something will get done here. And, you know, you had the men's tournament last year, the men's under 18 got, got to, went off in Texas on a different time frame that it was supposed to. I mean, I think that we've learned if anything during the pandemic, there's a way to, there's a way to make things happen if there's a real will there. And I sense the will and, and that's, that's probably what's most important. I sense the will, and I hope it actually happens. The U18 tournament should be playing. If we're able to find a way to make the U20 men's tournament play, I understand the money driver that it is. I think we should find a way to let these women play. So that's where I stand on that. That's the last word I'm going to give on that, unless there's any other extra stuff you want to add. Uh, the World Juniors, of course, the uh, the men's tournament for the U20 obviously being on as well. As I mentioned before, Canada has played a game. Uh, they defeated Chechia. The, the nation formerly known as the Czech Republic, despite the fact that they still have Czech Republic on their jerseys. Uh, what did you think of that first game that they played uh, over the 60 minutes of uh, game action we saw where Owen Power gets himself a hat trick in that game? Well, it was entertaining. It was competitive, right? And, and you know, seeing it tied in the first period and a few goals go in on Canada. I mean, that's that's what you're always wondering, right? The second game is against Austria. You know, Austria is playing for the second time in as many days, obviously an undermanned country in terms of <laughs> the amount of players they're drawing from there. And so, you know, the, the early games in a tournament like this can be rather one-sided for Canada. And I think the fact they were pushed in that first game and, um, you know, probably will suit, you know, suit them well. Uh, the, the trouble, I think, if you're a, a power in any of these tournaments, it's even what you know, used to make Mike Babcock nervous about Team Canada's Olympic men's team is that you, you roll through this and then you have to win three games in a row, uh, you know, quarterfinal, semifinal, gold medal game to win. Just, there's no margin for error uh, after a certain point. And so if, if you don't get tested and pushed and kind of know where your team's at, um, you know, I think that that's something that keeps the coaches up at night. So, yeah, there's, there's probably parts of that game the coaching staff didn't like, but ultimately, you know, I think Canada looks very strong. I'm, I'm curious to see a bit more Connor Bedard in the tournament, um, you know, because he's the next one or one of the ne- next ones along with Shane Wright. Uh, and then we, we saw him play pretty limited minutes in that first game and even the exhibition game that was played before, which I watched. But, um, you know, I, I love the tournament. Honestly, this uh, I don't get so wrapped up in the the patriotism side of it. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm Canadian. It'd be nice if the Canadian guys won. I'm, I'm not hiding that fact. But but for me, it's just nice to see these top players right before their NHL careers begin and, and get a feel for who they are. You know, I think TSN does a nice job with the Canadian players at selling some of their stories. And, you know, my man Mark Masters is out there pounding the pavement, uh, covering this team every day. <laughs> what a guy. I don't know if you saw his, his uh, Christmas Carol bit with the... Caden Gooley, right? Caden Gooley. Like, what a good sport in Caden Gooley is to, to walk around the hotel with Mark and, and get uh, his teammates <laughs> to sing Christmas carols and give them James Duffy uh, and Mark Masters signed memorabilia for doing so. So... um 
yeah, I think if this tournament's viewed the right way, it's it's a lot of fun. It's obviously a great chance for for the players to get a little more profile than they ever would in, at this stage of their life. And I think it's going to be a hell of a tournament. Honestly, I've, I've been uh, been enjoying the first couple of days. I even watched, uh, I guess it was Germany, Czechia a bit yesterday, last night. Um, so you know, I, I'm one of these ones, especially because I've just been hanging close to home. Uh, throw it, throw it on all day, and just kind of keep an eye on all the games. Uh, I was about to say, uh, I, I, the Patriot. I just want to focus on the patriotism part of this because I was watching that Canada Chechen game, and if you didn't know that TSN obviously has the scope on Canadian players and focuses on them, you would have never guessed. Because because I just find they just do such a great job, obviously, of presenting the tournament, but always just making it seem as if they're not homers for Team Canada. Like I I just love hearing Gordon and Ray go at it, and and also hearing James and. I feel like I'm first naming these guys like I actually work with them, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like everyone, well, I work with them, so that's your only one degree removed. I mean, yeah, technically. Uh, but yeah, you guys do an, ex- an excellent job of presenting the tournament and being as like down the middle as you can. So I totally see where you're coming. I, it makes it checks out to me that you would enter these tournaments and be like, hey, man, you're just in it for the pageantry for everybody, but not necessarily just being a homer for Team Canada. Well, look, I think it starts with Ray and Gord. I mean, they, they provide this the sound to, to the, the story. And those guys have covered like numerous, I think Gord said this was his 27th world junior. I might've saw on Twitter. That's insane. Something in that ballpark. If it's not exactly 27, it's definitely more than 25. You know, him and Ray do the world championships every year. Like they're very familiar with international hockey. I mean, Julian, one of the cool things in my career is as I covered seven world hockey championships uh, back in the days and I worked for the Canadian press and like, when you get the chance to go to Europe and cover an international tournament, you, you get a different flavor for, I think, what the ho- what your idea of the hockey world is. Because obviously, you know, the culture around hockey is different in Finland and Sweden, uh, both places I went to a tournament. You know, I was in Latvia one year for a tournament. It's just cool to, you get sort of the, a broader picture and you're, you're there. It just gives you a different view of things. And I think Gord and, and Ray have that. I mean, they've, they've they're familiar with the players. They're familiar with all these countries. They know the national team coaches for the countries. You know, I, I think it makes them not homerish, if you know what I'm saying, because they have a worldview. They, they've they've literally been to games all over the world and understand what it means in certain places. And so, I think that 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 helps explain. I mean, it's it's the, obviously people behind the scenes too that you know are doing the same things that put them in a position to succeed too. But you know, I think that they really set the tone for that coverage and and. I don't find it that biased. I mean, obviously they focus a little bit more on telling stories of the Canadian players. I think that it's natural Canadian audience is interested in that, but um, you know, it's not, it's not all chest thumping, I guess. And, and I, and I think if, if Canada gets to a point, they don't play well in this tournament. Um, you know, I think they'll, they'll call them out on it. Right. I mean, it, it's not all just trying to find the good there. So um, you know, it's, it's going to be fun to watch this thing play out and ramp up and, you know, see if we get another Canada Russia game, like we did in the, the exhibition, uh, you know, put Bedard against Michkov, uh, yes. the, two, the two top picks for 2023, uh, two top prospects. Uh, and, you know, I think this tournament always delivers. There's going to be some wild game that's like 6-5 with lead changes and all that kind of stuff. And so I'll be watching right through. Uh, so Canada is winning the tournament. Are you going to predict that? You're going to put you got to you got to let us know. Prediction well, time? I, I don't have anyone else that I, I feel strongly enough to say they're going to win. So. Sure, Canada's going to avenge that loss to the in the final last year to the U.S. Um, you know, Sweden hasn't won in a long time. Twenty twelve, I believe, was the last time Sweden won. 
And it's funny because they never lose a game until it gets to the the knockout rounds. That's like, true. They're they're the team that's never lost like a like a pre knockout round game in like years, right? Like ten years, like something it's crazy, ridiculous, yeah. And yet they haven't found a way to win the tournament. So, yeah, I actually have um, an old an old work associate, a guy named Linus Hugosen, who I used to do work for in Sweden. He's actually with the Swedish team, so it's not oh. Canada. I'd like to see him win just because he's an old friend and he's. He's part of their delegation in Red Deer right now. I saw him posting it was like minus thirty five there yesterday. Um, so they're they're enduring a real harsh Western Canadian winter uh, to to play that tournament out in Red Deer at the moment. There was a ref uh, before a game involving Finland uh, who dropped the puck. He's like, who called for a minus forty game? Like I think that's the same guy from last year who was making some of those same uh, jokes before the uh, the first puck drop. So that was pretty funny to see. What work were you doing in Sweden? Uh, he used to run a pro hockey magazine and I would I would freelance stories for him that, that he would translate then into the various European languages. I think it was printed in multiple languages, but um, I don't know, just years ago. And he, he was good. It was a time in my life I could use the extra money and wrote lots of features for him. And, you know, obviously just have kept in touch a little bit. And we've actually never met in person, oddly enough. But wow. um, he was actually on the bench last year. I remember, I don't know if you remember, Sweden got hit with a bunch of COVID cases Right. including losing a coach or two. And he was on the bench. Like it was surreal. I like screen grabbed it on my TV and tweeted it out. <laughs> and like a long way from editing my stories to being on the bench for Sweden at the world juniors. So uh, a meteoric rise for Mr. Hugoson. That's really funny. Um, so we've gone through the U18 tournament, the world juniors, obviously on as they are, by the way, just going to take this time to promote the fact that uh, game over international Andrew Berkshire tonight uh, hosting uh, another episode off of the Canada-Austria game. And because he's doing that, uh, the Canadians game, the game over Montreal, will be hosted by yours truly, actually. Uh, so oh, I'm stepping out of the in bullpen. For, yeah, I'm stepping in for Berkshire tonight. So uh, on SDPN's YouTube channel, we're going to have those two streams running at the same time. And, uh, yeah, if you want to know more, if you want to watch a post-game show about the uh, the Canada game over Austria, check out Andrew Berkshire. If you want to see the Canadians play against Tampa, provided the game is still on, uh, obviously with the fluid situation going on with COVID, uh, I'll be talking about that with uh, Omar, Tic Tac Tomar from the Dangle Navy, and uh, Paul Campbell, uh, who is known as Way to Go Paul on Twitter. So, uh just a little quick promo break in the middle of all of our uh, our jibber-jabber here on The Chris Johnston Show. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Speaking of the NHL, um, taxi squads are coming back on top of all the postponed games. Uh, We had those last year. 
well, last season. It's we're still in 2021. This is all 2021. I was just curious, like in terms of the taxi squads and the way they're being deployed this year for players, uh, how different is the NHL going to set it up compared to what they had last year? Well, there's one key difference, and that's to be on the taxi squad, you have to have played fewer than 25% of the NHL games this season. And so given that we're basically 30 games in, give or take for each team, you're talking about AHL players essentially having to be put onto that taxi squad. And the reason that's significant is what we saw a lot of teams do last year is they would move players back and forth. Say if you had a guy on an entry-level deal who didn't need waivers, on a practice day, you could slide into the taxi squad and you could accrue cap space in a, to just to simplify it for everyone. Yes. And you're not going to have that happening now. It's not, it's not, the, the league was quite clear in the memo it sent out. It's not as a cap saving mechanism. It's literally to give you extra players, extra bodies, should you need them. And a lot of teams need them right now, including you're talking about that Tampa Montreal game. I mean, Tampa's got like four goaltenders right now because um, <laughs> a couple are in COVID protocol. So, um, you know, I think that this should allow, first of all, you're going to have see fewer teams play shorthanded because there's emergency rules that have been put in place where you can call someone up and, and be above the cap as long as a player makes less than a million dollars to, to, to play with co- in a COVID situation. And I think you're just going to see fewer postponements as a result of this because, you know, the reason we had so many right before the lead up to Christmas is there was a number of teams that just couldn't field a roster. Like there literally was no combination of players healthy enough in their system that that could play a game. And so this, this should make that a little bit easier. And, and look, we're, we're still moving into a bit of a great unknown in January, right? Like it's, you know, we've seen a number of players, even in the last couple of days added to COVID protocol, even though the league's been shut down for six days. So, um, you know, I, I think that we're, we're not through this thing yet that these, these roster changes will make it easier for teams to manage the cap and to competitively put better teams in place. But, it's still uh, still a long way to go to go from game 30 to game 82 for each of the, the 32 teams around the league. Like seeing all these other leagues find ways to get their games going in spite of all the COVID cases going there. Then the NHL decides to go on pause and they have to institute this like taxi squad thing back. Like I wonder how it feels just like looking at, excuse me, sorry. I wonder how it feels like looking at other leagues and just kind of seeing how they've been able to kind of make it work and try to play through this while the NHL has the issues it has in terms of getting teams to field rosters and and finding ways around that. Like what's it like from your perspective seeing that? Well, we have to remember the NFL is totally different, right? It's one game a week and they got huge practice squads as it is. Like it's, it's a different league. Like I don't think it's fair to even compare what goes on there. I mean, the NHL and the NBA way more closely mimic each other in terms of scheduling, traveling all over the continent, having to come in and out of Canada, although there's only the one Canadian team in the NBA versus seven in the NHL. But, you know, I, I don't follow the NBA super closely, but I am aware they've got a number of issues. You know, I, I follow the Toronto Raptors. They've had six or seven of their 12 players in COVID protocol. They're signing all these guys I've never heard of to like 10 day contracts to try to get through it. It's essentially sort of like a taxi squad type of situation, just emergency players to fill in. Yeah, like a hard like a hard luck exemption. I think that's what it's called, essentially. Exactly. Exactly. Something like that. But what I mean is I think it's actually kind of similar to what you're seeing in the NHL. And, you know, I also think there's a misunderstanding of what this pause was before Christmas. This wasn't to like stop COVID. Like it wasn't the idea wasn't like, okay, this will get it all under control. I think the issue really, Julian, was they didn't want too many teams playing games when other teams couldn't play games. Like they want to try to have this schedule be as fair as possible. 
And so part of what you're going to see once they reschedule all these games that have been missed is you're going to see existing games move too, because the idea is, you know, I don't have the schedule, the standings in front of me, but I'm sure one or two teams have played a lot more games than other teams because they didn't get hit as much by COVID. Well, they, they want to balance it out as much as possible. And then certainly, you know, in February 6th to 22nd, the Olympic break, when we, we see games scheduled, they don't want one team not to play for that 16 days and another team have to make up five games during that 16 games days. And so I think they're really from a, from like a 10,000 foot competitive balance standpoint, they're trying to keep this fair and equitable as, as much as possible. I mean, it's, there's only so much you can do obviously under the circumstances, but you know, I think this pause was really just about, okay, some teams are playing short guys and some teams have played a lot of games and others, you know, I know the Maple Leafs now have had six games, their last six games all postponed. Um, so they're, they're just trying to find some balance in that between getting the games in and, and keeping it as fair as possible for the whole league. And, you know, I think it's really easy to second guess and criticize and stuff like that. I mean, it, it, it I just saw some people like be like, oh, they, they shut the league down for, for four days. Uh, everything's fixed now. I mean, I don't think that was the approach at all. And I think, frankly, there's an understanding that, that into January, we're still going to see outbreaks among teams, most likely, just because this variant is spreading like crazy. I mean, even anecdotally, I can say I just have friends and family and stuff that have all gotten it that aren't out doing anything they're not supposed to do. It's just, you know, it's an airborne virus that's uh, way more transmissible than the, the previous variants we've, we've dealt with. Yeah, I'm trying to just follow the the cases that are just rising up in Quebec. And I think uh, today it should have already been announced that it should be, I think, under like 13,000 new cases of, of COVID. Wow. It's, 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 it's very, uh, it's, 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 you could just get it. Like, it, it's kind of scary that way. Are you guys um, under curfew again or no? Not under curfew as far as I know. No, we're not under curfew. Thank God for that. But uh, I mean, they. I think the last time the Quebec government mentioned uh, any new restrictions or anything like that, I think they were just trying to say it was just like something they're just going to take day by day, really. But uh, I hope they don't institute a curfew because that was very miserable. And for everyone from Quebec who listens to this show, they know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, there was one particular taxi squad quirk I noticed uh, in a report kind of flying around. I think Frank Saravalli was mentioning it, that like benefits and stipends for people on the taxi squad essentially would be coming from like the NHL PAs, like I guess kind of like their fund or whatever. And like someone actually was trying to ask it as an ask CJ question, like why would players agree to something like this? Was this something you noticed in the memo sent out to players? Uh, is this something that's peculiar to what was is, is it different from last year? I was just curious about that particular quirk of the, of the taxi squads. I mean, basically the money paid to players that are on the taxi squad comes out of the players overall share of the revenues. Right. Exactly. And, and the formula is a little different now because of the, the new MOU and the pandemic. But in the old days, back when I was young, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you take all the league revenues for a whole season. And in simple terms, the owners split half and the players split half. And so when you have an expense, you have to know which half it's coming from. And so, you know, we're going to have some teams essentially exceed the salary cap with the taxi squad because they, they have no choice. And that the, the amount of money that's paid to all those players comes out of the player share. I mean, I don't want to delve too deep on that because I, I don't understand this total dynamic of what the negotiation was there. But I mean, logically to me, it would make sense because that is money paid to players that it would come out of the player side of things. Um, and we're not talking huge, huge dollars, relatively speaking. 
Uh, and so, yeah, this to me is just a fair solution to account for how the money's working. And, you know, that formula is really important right now because the players as a group owe the owners money um, because the owners paid more than half the revenues to players during the pandemic. And so I think it's all just about how the money's repaid to the owners till a point in time when the debts are settled and we're back to even footing, which, you know, the, the league said three years from now at the board of governors meeting in December, I'm already wondering, given everything that's happened since, unfortunately, if, if you're looking at maybe another year beyond that. It is time for the final Ask CJ of 2021, the uh, part of the show where we take questions from listeners, uh, readers of, of CJ, of course, in the Toronto Star, uh, questions that have come on Discord, questions that have come on Twitter. Uh, are you ready for the final batch of questions for 2021? Tried to make them as fun as I could. Yeah, that's great. I mean, the re- the readers and listeners have done an awesome job with these. So it's this was a segment that grew organically and and i've actually come to to quite like it even if i haven't got you jeff carter's middle name just yet sorry for the 2022 we're putting that in 2022 what's also cool is when you put out the hashtag ask cj how many people respond to it and how it ends up like trending i think maybe like more locally in like ontario or toronto or whatever but like it's it's cool to see people use that hashtag ask cj even like not even when you just have like the call out when you do like people just like randomly use it yeah, it's funny. And 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 like, like honestly there's stuff in there that cracks me up that I see, you know what I mean? Like some people have a good good sense of humor about their questions and that. So, I appreciate the serious questions, but I also like your goofy ones too. A sign trade wave question from KWN Storm. It might be Queen Storm, I'm not sure how you say it. Uh so sign trade wave. Okay. Adam Fox, Miko Rantanen, Andre Vasilevsky. What kind of sorcery is this? Like, I don't I didn't even know. come up with a question, my man. Those are three even... key players to, to to put in this. Well, who am I waving? Yeah, well, I, that's going to be the big key here. Like, who right, are you waving? Because you have to start with who you're waving in that scenario. Like, I'm inclined Fox. Now, Fox was an older NHL rookie, but he's he's the youngest of those players, I would think. So... You know, Vasilevsky is the best goaltender in the NHL. Like if I had to put my life on a guy to win one game for my life, I'm probably starting Andre Vasilevsky in net to, to save CJ. Uh, and Rantanen is sort of criminally, I think, overlooked just because he plays with McKinnon and, you know, but he's, man, he's good. So I guess I'm waving, man. It's tough, right? I thought I looked at this and I was thinking about it myself. Like this is like really tough to do. Uh, but I think I would, or I don't, like, it, I could come up with mine while you like really think about it. Because like I think I would wave Rantanen, trade Fox, and I'd sign Vasilevsky. I think just you keep the franchise goaltender out of all three of those guys. Right. That's probably the way to go. I was I was debating between signing Fox just because he's younger. I was like going to twist myself yeah. into a mental pretzel, but I mean Vasilevsky's still only twenty seven, I believe, and like dudes, like he's already in the Hall of Fame. Like if his career ended tomorrow, he's a Hall of Famer. Um, like he's a living legend. Now we've seen though, like sometimes age creeps up quickly on a goaltender or any player. <laughs> 
I'm still, I'm with you. I'm signing Vasilevsky. I'm trading Fox for a massive amount of futures. And unfortunately, Miko Randon's being waived and, and claimed by the, the 32nd place team. Next question from Joseph Allen on Twitter. CJ and Julian, who were your favorite hockey players growing up? Wayne Gretzky when I was really young. Uh, I got two Gretzky sticks. Yeah, I remember you asked me about favorite Christmas present. But yes. I got, there's an old, like this is way before your time, Julian, but Wayne Gretzky used to play with a white and red Titan stick. And it's it's pretty famous. And I got one of those when I was young and that was cool. And then when he went to LA, they, they were introducing aluminum sticks and he had to deal with Easton aluminum, a black and silver one that I got that was all Gretzky inspired. Do you know what's cool? Actually, once the Hockey Hall of Fame has a room or they have like their archives in the same building that the Maple Leafs practice out of. And at, cer- at a certain point, I got the ability to tour that, that facility. It's basically where the things that aren't on display are housed by the hall. And we walk into this boardroom and there was like 50 of those white and red Titan sticks, like, like actually 50 of them. And they were all for various Wayne Gretzky milestones, like whatever, 200th assist or 300th goal, all that stuff. And I was like, oh my God, this is blowing my mind. That's um, so cool. It was awesome. It was really cool just to see everything that's not on display, right? Obviously, they, they have a lot of stuff. There's only so much uh, you know, display space in, in their downtown Toronto hall. So that was really cool to see all the Gretzky stuff just like lying around the office, essentially, because there's so many milestones that, that he had. Um, and I also, I was a big Doug Gilmore fan when he, after he got traded to Toronto and, and they had two long playoff runs, he was my other guy as a kid. To the point that, and I, this is safe to tell now because I'm embarrassed to say it, but you know, like when I, I wanted to be a hockey journalist naturally, like my whole life. And of so, course. especially when I was young and first got to do it, I, I was very mindful <laughs> not to be a fan. Like when I was around, you know, I, I was very trying to be, trying to play a reporter on TV because like I really wasn't, I hadn't earned any credibility yet. Right. But like I, I, want, I was very mindful of how anything would be viewed. And, but there was one, time I was in the Leafs press box for a game and I walked around like kind of a corner and there was Doug Gilmore. Uh, he was, he was doing some work for the team. This is going way back early two thousands. And literally my throat, like my heart hit my throat. Like I nearly like oh fell God. over. It's just like <laughs> actually seeing like one of your boyhood heroes in person. Like the, the funny part is, is anyone who's been become a famous hockey player since I've been a journalist, like you don't see them the way a kid sees them, right? Like, like, you know, first of all, in some cases you get to know them. So you sort of know them as people or even just casually to say hi. And then, you know, you're getting older. Like I don't, I don't worship athletes in any sport the way I did when I was a little kid, like just being obsessed with these games. And so Doug Gilmore was like the last one that could make me feel something. And I remember that, that time in the Air Canada Center press box. I'm like, Oh, you idiot. Like you're trying to be all professional and you still can't like walk by another person without, <laughs> you know, like nearly like, I nearly like like went into the fetal position. I was so excited <laughs> slash nervous. So and we didn't even talk or anything. Like that was a funny thing. Like I just saw you him. You just shook, shook, oh, man. shook to my core. Now the good news is, is I'm so old, none of that can happen anymore. But uh, you know, those are those were my two guys, Gretzky and Gilmore, were my two favorite players as a kid. Okay, uh, question here: uh, Those sticks you were mentioning, did you use either of them to score three goals in 21 seconds as a young? I did not. I did not. I, I owned both of those sticks before that three goals in 21 second milestone. And, but I, and I have no other than we have the newspaper article and they made like an award <laughs> for me at the banquet, like the, the end of the year banquet. I have like a trophy from that. I have no memorabilia from that. I mean, look at it. It was 
Gaiman Coburg in like 1993. So yeah, but it's it's it's, it's a claim to fame. All right, but my point is like I don't have the pucks or the stick or anything wow. from that that time. Okay, uh, players I liked growing up. Uh, Joe Sackick was one of the first ones I I remember like being a fan of. Uh, Joe just seeing it. Sackick. Exactly. Yeah, I love the Bob Cole call at his goal in the 2002 Olympic final. Geo Sackick. Sackick. That's gotta be it. Yes. Sackick and Aguila were ridiculous in that gold medal game. Man. Oh my God. Jerome Aguila also on that list as well. Amazing dude. Um, So Sackick, Aguila, Luke Robitaille. Big Luke Robitaille fan. Uh, Really? A couple couple years ago um, at Concordia every year, they have this sports marketing conference where they get people from all these different sports people working in management to like go to this conference and and be a part of these panels and almost every year they ask me to like host like a few like one of them every year so i've gotten to be on these panels all these people from all these different leagues and i had been doing it so long that like this one year they're just like man like this is a really big special year for us uh we, we really appreciate the work that you do you get to pick which one you get to host and i just saw this one that had luke robitaille on it and i was like that's the one i want so there's awesome. just like a it was a one on one with me and Luke Robitaille. And that's like my that's my profile picture on Facebook. It's like one of the my my it is a moment in my life I will treasure forever because Luke Robitaille, one of the greatest scoring left wingers in NHL history. And just to be in the same room as him and just ask him questions. I don't even remember what I talked to him about the entire time, but it was just that's something that I will treasure for the rest of my life. That was you know, that was super sick. It's funny, like the minds of kids it's actually hilarious. Like, I think I told you my, I have a nephew, Henry, who is like really ragging on my dad. He cheers against the Leafs really aggressively yes. when my dad's there because my dad's a Leafs fan. And Henry yes. lives in Ottawa. His dad's an Ottawa Senators like season ticket holder, shares in his season tickets, like a huge Senators fan. And he and for Christmas, he gives me his hockey card. Right. And on the back, there's, you know, like height, three foot five, weight, 50 pounds. And then it says <laughs> favorite team, Edmonton Oilers. And I'm like, since when what? do you love the Edmonton Oilers? But it's because he loves McDavid and, and, you know, like, it's just cool, like, how kids' minds work. Like, he's he's figured out, like, McDavid's the best player. I'm going to back his team, even if I live in Ottawa and probably he's never watched a game. But it's, it's immortalized on this hockey card. He's now an Oilers fan, at least until some better player comes and plays for another team. And two other guys I'll mention, uh, I guess Crosby and Ovechkin, but I... Like I love those two guys. They're uh, both big fans of those players as a as a younger person. But if you're asking me to pick between the two, I'm picking the guy with the more goals, the flair, everything. Ovechkin is that dude. Like you had your moment with Doug Gilmore, where you felt shook just seeing him. There's like a game. I don't know if I mentioned on the podcast before. There was like a game between the Canadians and the Capitals. It was after the All Star break, so Ovechkin couldn't play because he he, he yeah. Didn't you mentioned you saw All-Star him in like a suit or whatever, and he was eating a hot dog. Yeah, like that to me, that's like the closest I could think of being starstruck to any NHL player since being a reporter. Like just like looking at him, like wearing a suit, just like eating. And I was just like, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of this guy. Like, oh, my God. Like that was that was incredible to to, to see in person. I, I don't think I've seen him play like on the ice yet for whatever reason. Like this season, I think it was the first time I'd ever seen Sidney Crosby play in person. Like that's. That was a big deal for me. So when, sure. when it comes time for Ovechkin, like, oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna be as professional and dignified as I can 
But there's going to be a part of me that's going to be like freaking the fuck out the whole time. I even said fuck. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Uh, next question. Um, this is from TurboCrab94. I've already asked this on the SDP, but I also want to hear CJ and Julian's thoughts on this. What okay. is a player considered a veteran? It is, a, is it a certain number of games played, years in the league, age, just the right feel? Like are, Math, like are Matthews and McDavid considered veterans, or are they still young guns? An awkward middle stage that does, or, or an awkward middle stage that doesn't have a name? So I think the historic answer to this question, if you used to have to play 400 NHL games to get a full NHL pension, um, that, that's not no longer the rule that, that hasn't applied for a number of years. But I'm guessing that was kind of the unofficial mark back in the day of when you crossed to being a veteran. It's like, okay, you've, you've, you've kind of had a full career in terms of, you know, getting all your benefits. I would say those guys are veterans now, honestly, like Matthews is in his sixth season and McDavid's in his seventh, you know, I hope that they both have longevity and health and all those things, but they're probably playing 15 years. Like they're, 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 they're both almost at a halfway point of what a career will probably be in terms of time. Again, they might, maybe they'll surprise us. Maybe one of them will be Joe Thornton and play 22 seasons, but you know, 15 years is a long successful NHL career. And so the fact that they're at six and seven, I, I, I think that they're veterans, but I don't, I don't have a hard and fast rule. And it's, it's a good question because we both write Julian, like, and sometimes when you're writing a story, you might refer to someone as a veteran player, uh, but I don't really scrutinize are it's almost like it's it's a it's a it's a feeling right it's like yes or no are they a veteran it's just like do you have that sense they've been around long enough to get that um but i, I don't know that there's an exact cutoff so i'm gonna say 400 games is an unofficial historic mark um you know has mcdavid played 400 games off the top of my head i i feel like he's dangerously close if he hasn't already passed it because that's also a guy who uh, remember, he missed like a good chunk of games because he had a significant injury like early on in his career, right? Like he's right. Like I, I wonder, like how much th- does that play into determining whether someone's a veteran or not? Like he's he, at like, four thirty six, so he technically would count. So Austin Matthews would be like a little short of that, right? Yeah, three sixty one. So if, you know, if Austin plays the rest of the season, he'll hit four hundred before the end of the year. Okay, so he so both of those. So Connor, according to this unofficial rule, is a veteran. Austin Matthews is still a handful of games away from that. Oh, that's a pretty interesting question. Um, this one is from McDrew. This one's a little bit uh, multi-layered. He he tried to ask like four or five questions in one go. Should All I right, I'll just to, like... take I'll just take the one part of it I want to answer and ignore the rest. Okay, cool. So no, I'm, I'm just gonna around. read it out. I know it's fine. I'm just gonna read it out and try to answer it as best as you can here. So from McDrew. 
Uh, how much does being the person who breaks a story actually matter? On a personal level, does it feel good to outscoop any of your competitors? Is there anyone out there who you enjoy outscooping in a respectful, professional way? And on a professional level, what does it mean for your career to be a story breaker? And on an industry relationship level, does that make people want to come to you to break news? Like I said, it's, it's a lot of questions in this one. Yeah, but they're all related. Like it's not, it isn't a bunch of tangents. Um, I got to be careful how I answer this. Like I think it matters less than it once did, honestly. You know, there was a time with pre social media, right? You could actually, someone, a newspaper reporter could break a story in his paper and then the next paper can't really answer for a day. You know, I didn't exist as a working journalist in the, in the height of that environment, but that, you know, that's where this came from. And then over time, obviously, between the, the networks, TSN and Sportsnet, you know, there's there's competition there. You know, I, I think on a day like trade deadline day, it matters because you have a captive live audience. You know, that's my role on a day like that is to, you know, try to break news and confirm all the details and get everything right, essentially. Well, the the panel makes sense of things going on league wide. Um, so the, on those days, it does matter. You, you, you know, I do remember my very first trade deadline I worked at Sportsnet. I want to say this was 2012. It was a long time ago. It was like my first time ever alive on the panel. And there was like an hour where we didn't break anything. And <laughs> it felt, it was like the worst feeling you could ever have. It just felt like oh, we just were no. <laughs> sitting there getting punched in the face for an hour by TSN at the time. Uh, and so I have to say that that hasn't been too common. Like, I find most of those days, like, yeah, someone at home might say this guy broke this much, but like in the moment, it's so chaotic. It's hard to tell. Like you're just chasing everything around. You're bugging everyone, um, you know, but it's look at it's, it's still, I always think like if you're on TV or if you, you kind of, you, you have like a role in a play, right? Like yeah. I know what my role is. My role is news. My role is information. So I can't say it doesn't matter because that's, that's how I ever even got there to begin with. And so I can't turn my back fully on it, but I, you know, I don't, I don't lose a ton of sleep over it. You know, the hardest ones is there's times you, you know, something, but maybe you need like one aspect confirmed. Like you, you kind of, you, you, it's, it's like the anxious moments before it's out there, but you're onto a, a good story. And then, you know, someone from one of the other networks or whatever tweets it out or, or beats you to it. Like that's, that's where it's frustrating. It's like you, it's almost like you have the ball on the one yard line to make a football reference, but you can't just quite get it across the goal line and you take a big hit at the one from Elliot Friedman or whoever it is. So um, Ooh, your own, I mean, at once upon a time, your own teammate. Well, that's the thing I've worked with everyone. So like when you're asking, is there anyone that you relish beating or out scooping, you know, like all these guys are my friends. I don't, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm revealing too much of how the sausage is made to say that. But, you know, I worked with Elliot for a long time. We're still buddies. You know, we traded texts on Christmas and, and you know, I, I like the guy a lot. And, you know, I, I and but even when I worked at Sportscent, you know, I'd, I've talked here a bit, but Pierre LeBron's one of my mentors. So he was working at TSN at the time when I was at Sportsnet. You know, I've known Bob McKenzie and Darren Drager for a long, long, long time. Have huge respect for them. I mean, they're, they're two of the OGs in the industry. So, you know, I, I wouldn't say there's anyone in particular I I relish beating, but you, look, you need a few wins because otherwise they're not going to keep inviting you on the show, and then I got to get a real job. So <laughs> anyone who knows me knows my motivation is is mostly just to not to avoid getting a real job, and so I'm going to have to keep breaking some stories to to keep myself relevant. 
You're inspiring an entire generation of kids to also follow in your footsteps too, Siege. I hope so. I really hope so. You know, I, I, I can't wait. Like getting older comes with some like weird things, but I can't wait to like meet people that grew up saying that they like seeing me on hockey night or whatever it was, or read my stories. Like, I mean, or it, listen it does... to the podcast. I get that already. I know we're only three months in, bud. Yeah, this is going to be like a multi-year run, and so by the end, hopefully, we will have helped inspire you know um i know steve it's funny like i've met a few kids that have asked me about steve dangle i know steve's inspired a just a, a navy of of young aspirants coming up behind him so yeah look at it. it's it's a fun job it that stuff i used to get way more stressed out about than now i do think because information travels so freely it's it's a little less important but you know look It'd be nice to break a big story right now. I'd love it. If you, if you got any scoops for me, send them along. Uh, I was about to say the same thing to you, but you know what? You, you, you're the guy with the scoops. On the subject of Steve, um, I'm sorry to acting the fooliman uh, because uh, last oh, no. week we referenced uh, Mark Donk and Buzz Flibbit, and we said that was something Steve came up with. It was actually... Uh, on Twitter, uh, they go by the handle uh, Acting the Fuleman. I'm saying his name, right? He's referencing a former Leafs player, Fuleman? Yeah, Nikolai Kuleman. Oh, okay. Yes, would, be exactly. the play, would be the play on the name there. Okay. So clearly, the, the non-Toronto guy did not understand the reference and also did not understand it wasn't Steve who came up with Mark Donk and Buzz Flippin. You're in a great spot where you're Steve, where it's just like if anything funny ever once happened, everyone just thinks you did it. Like he, like Steve, <laughs> Steve didn't have any, any anything to do with that. But like we're just out here giving him credit, giving him flowers, and we're we're disrespecting acting the foolman. We're sorry, bud. Yeah, sorry, bud. Just had to make that clear. Okay, I got two more for you. Okay. Uh, from K Town, another, another tight thirty minute episode we've reeled off here. Oh. Oh, absolutely. I mean, come on. Wait till you see the next episode we do to end off 2021. That is definitely not going to be 30 minutes. Uh, K-Town 2272. Where do Owen Power, Oscar Mayer, I know a lot of people want to say Oscar Mayer, but I believe it's Oscar Mayer, and Ivan Ivan sit on your World Junior Championship name power rankings? Ivan Ivan's number one. I like Ivan, simplicity. Ivan, Ivan. Oh, my I God. Oscar Mayer, number two. And I know I'm power number three. Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, but Ivan, 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 that's that's an all-timer, bro. Like I think someone said Ivan. it's only two Ivans, though. I know that on, there was a graphic going around where there's three Ivans. No, but 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 Gord Miller apparently during the broadcast was saying, you know what his middle name is? It's Ivan. So it, it's real. Like it generally is Ivan, Ivan, Ivan. His middle name is, according to Gord Miller, Ivan. So the, wow. the graphic that shows Ivan, Ivan, Ivan is actually like legit. Well, I'm not I'm not contesting Gord Miller's info because I know he no he goes way. he goes deep on this stuff. So Ivan, Ivan, Ivan. <laughs> to our last one, uh, this was intent. This was. Originally directed to me, but I'm, I'm opening it up to both of us here from okay. Night Shift Cthulhu. Uh, so how's your experience with the Discord server? I, I want to really know how you feel about the chaos. I didn't hold up my promise and go in during the holidays. It's still holiday time. You still have time. I do. I, I like it. I'm still not totally sure what I'm supposed to be doing there when I'm there. But... Um, I just think it's awesome. There's a community of people that love hockey, love each other, love what we're doing, love the STPN vibe. So 
I mean, it's great, but you know, then they ask me if I want pickles on my sandwich or whatever. I'm telling you, man, it's, 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 it's a very fun time. It's a very vibrant community. It's very diverse as well in terms of the different personalities you come across in there. But yeah, you, when you, you come across stuff with pickles, you're just kind of like, as, as someone who doesn't hang out on Discord a lot, you're like, uh, what? Right. Well, I just don't know what if if I'm supposed to be honest or what, but I just go in be there and honest. Take, take the questions. Be. <laughs> be honest, man. They're fun, though. There are they're, they're, they're a lot of people who just enjoy hockey and they enjoy anything sdpn uh on monday night i got to play um this is a game called quiplash where essentially you get all these like prompts and you're trying to like write in like funny answers it's kind of like it's a bit like cards against humanity and i was playing with some of the people on uh on a voice chat discord on the sdpn uh, discord and uh i actually won it was actually really fun playing with them and and getting oh so you just brought the story up to talk about your success i see no no i see how it is no, I was trying to, I was trying to just, you know, prop up the Discord. But you're right, I, it did kind of come across that way. You're right, I have to be mindful of that. But yeah, they're 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 fun. They're great people. They're 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 great. And if you listening or watching uh, our podcast want to get in on all the fun, join the SDPN on Discord because it's uh, growing. It's growing. It's a bit chaotic at times, but it's seriously a really good time. And you should totally do it. Thank you uh, to everyone who sent us questions. CJ, thank you as always for uh, just being you and uh, having the show and your name on the grand marquee and all that. And uh, yeah, thank you everyone for listening who's been listening to the show and watching the show. We have one more episode to end off 2021. And CJ, I have to admit, halfway through this, sh- this show, I came up with an idea for us to end 2021 and everyone will get to hear it on thursday when we yeah. do as i say throw in the group chat don't, don't reveal it just here but nope. throw, throw no, in the no, group no, chat no 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 no, no. Me, you no. jesse blake adam wilde we'll, we'll we'll workshop it and see if it, it stands up oh i i think it'll stand I, I i think it'll stand i i'm pretty confident in this idea working out for uh every, everybody before i sign off here officially Subscribe to the YouTube page. Subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts. Check out all the other great content on the SDPN network. Again, check out Game Over with Andrew Berkshire on the international feed for the World Junior Game tonight. And also, I will be uh, filling in for Berkshire on the Canadians feed later on tonight. You can watch both of those on YouTube and listen to those podcasts after the fact. Uh, For Siege, I'm Julian saying so long and peace. See you Thursday. The Chris Johnston Show. Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter, at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie, at JK McKenzie.